the Lord, everyone. It is so good to come before his presence this morning with thanksgiving, entering into his courts with praise, being thankful unto him and bless his glorious name. What a beautiful day that the Lord has made. Amen. This memorable day weekend. Amen. We're excited about our God and his ways and his ways of past finding out. We're so thankful, Lord, that we can come into your presence again with thanksgiving and enter your courts with praise again this morning. Lord, I want to thank you that I have another chance, oh God, to open my lips to honor you, though God, to intercede on behalf of my brothers and sisters again this morning, oh God. I thank you, Lord God, for your healing touch. I thank you for your strengthening power. I look to you, God, as the great I am, the way, the truth, the life, and you are the door. Oh, God, there is none like you, God. Your word is continually favorable to us, O oh Lord. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections and instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished into all good works. And I thank you today that I can look into your word again this morning, O God, that I can open my eyes and see clearly into the perfect laws of liberty today. I'm thankful that I have ears that I can hear when you speak to me, O God. I'm thankful, Lord God, that I have hands to feel and feet to walk and legs to stand upon. I am thankful again this morning, O God, that I have a roof over my head and clothes upon my back. I am thankful, Lord, that I can still breathe the clean, fresh air that you have given us, O God. I am thankful, Lord, for your firmament that it shows forth your handiworks from day to day. I am thankful, Lord God, for your love, for your kindness. I am thankful for baptism in your name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I am thankful, Lord God, that I can gird my loins with truth and put on your breastplate of righteousness and walk in peace, O God, and they have a shield of faith to protect me in a heaven and hope of salvation and your word again this morning, Lord. As we come into your presence, O oh God, we enter your gates with honor to you again this morning. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, I pray that you go into every household this morning. Every house, God, walk through, walk through in every house. O oh God, if there are sins, let it be removed. O oh God, let them feel your power. If there's sickness, let them be made whole today, O oh God. If there's loneliness and depression and oppression, O oh God, let them feel your comforting and strengthening power today. As only you can do it, O oh God. I know there's nothing impossible for you. You are God and you're God alone, and I thank you. This day, Lord, for your grace and your mercy has brought us through. And I'm living each moment because of you, Lord. None other, none other, but you, Jesus, you are my God and my Savior and my Lord. Amen. Praise God. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. Falling in love with Jesus. 
falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever done. Oh, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever ever done in his arms I feel protected in his arms I'm never disconnected in his arms I feel protected there's no place I'd rather rather be oh in his arms i feel protected in his arms i'm never disconnected in his arms i feel protected there's no place i'd rather rather be Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever done. God, I thank you for your love this day, God. I thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy and long-suffering towards us. I thank you, Lord God, that you give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding and counsel and might and fear and righteousness, oh God. And this day, Lord, is what we need more than anything is you and your love in Jesus' name. Well, praise God, everyone, under the sound of my voice this morning. It is indeed a great day here in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and we're excited about what God is doing. And we're studying the epistles of John, amen, this month uh, until we get through this thing. And we've been in the fourth chapter, amen, and so we want to pick up where we left off, amen, last week. Now, we were talking about, amen, John is, again, inspiring us, and I don't want you to ever forget the four reasons now why he told us that he's written to us these epistles. And number one was that our joy would be full. He wants to add to our joy. He wants our joy to be running over. And, I, man, that is, it, it should be excited, and, and a goal for every child of God is to have the joy of the Lord running over inside of us because the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength uh, and we want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and we want the joy to be uh, full and we want it to just overrun 
And the second reason John says he has written these epistles was so that he would keep us from sin. Amen. And to protect us from sin that is going to try to come into our lives to, to draw us back. The third reason was to protect us against false prophets. And then the fourth reason was to strengthen our faith and to ensure us of eternal life. And John is back and forth in these four points in his writings in this epistle. Amen. And because he wants us to, to understand and, and is imperative that the children of God do understand. We have to understand what is being written. We have to understand how it applies to our lives and the applicable parts of it uh, so that we can grow and so that we move on to perfection is what God says. Now, last week we were talking about the love of God, and John tells us in verse 8 of chapter 4, verse John 4, 8, he says that he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. No man have seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and in him, and he in him, in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God have given to us. God is love, and he that dwell in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we might that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear has torment. Has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because we he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar, for he that loveth not his brother whom he have seen, how can he love God whom he have not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loves God loves his brother. Now you notice here John makes a big shift from he's talking about understanding false prophets. Uh, he starts this chapter by making us to get an understanding of how we judge and how we can try the spirits of God and to Determine false prophets. He says that if they don't confess Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, they're not of God. So it's easy to figure this out, amen, so that we can identify falseness from truth. As the children of God, we've got to live in truth, we've got to walk in truth, and we have to understand truth. Amen. So we see here that John says if we confess that Jesus is come in the flesh, amen, we are of God, amen, and God dwells in us and we in him, amen, and this is the best place that we need to be. We want to dwell in God. We want to dwell and stay 
excuse me, in him. Amen. We do not want to walk away or get away from the truth of God. We want to cling to him. We want to hold to him. When we go back, if we were to look at the old hymnal books that was written of songs, uh, the majority of those songs was designed to teach us and, and to show us how to dwell in God. We want to stay in him. If God is in you and God is love, then your love ought to be perfected. You should be completed in him. You should be completed in love. You should understand the value and the importance of God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, John says, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. We got to realize here in order to have everlasting life is I got to have the love of God in me. I've got to learn how to operate according to God's word. As Paul says in Philippians 2, I've got to let the mind of Christ be in me. Amen. If my love is not perfected, then I have to ask myself who's in me. What is inside of me? What am I feeding inside of me? Am I feeding my flesh? Excuse me. Or am I feeding the spirit? If the Bible tells me in Galatians 5, 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Praise God. So if my flesh is controlling me, then I am not being controlled by the love that should be in me. I'm, I should be perfect. I should be completed. Amen. With God in me, nothing is greater than God. As we've already seen, John says, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. If I'm not completed, if I'm not satisfied in God and what I am, and if I'm not content in who I am, then I've got to ask myself the questions. What is inside of me? What have I got here? Amen. Did not the Lord say, I will be in you and I will write my laws in your heart and, and in your mind so that you will know me? The Bible will tell me in Psalms, uh, Isaiah 54 that the Lord, amen, your children would even be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. Amen. In Isaiah 54. We've got to understand that God is trying to show us He's trying to teach us because he wants us to be with him. We saw last weekend in Second Peter 3 where Peter says, Beloved, if you're looking for God, you need to be sure that you're found of him. And so love is the driving train uh, behind this thing. If you look at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Go to John 15 real quick here. Amen. And we know that Jesus opens this 15th chapter of John, and he's talking about really unity. He's talking about us and him together is what he's trying to show us. Now watch this in John 15, starting with verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that he may bring forth more fruit. That it may bring forth more fruit. Excuse me. Now you are clean 
through the word which I have spoken unto you. See, the, the, the vine has got to remain pure. The vine has got to remain as the branch. Amen. It's got to stay clean. Holiness has got to be your life. Uh, blood has got to be part of your life here. You are clean by the word. Amen. The word purifies you. That's why the writer of Hebrews 12:14 says, "Follow peace with all men and holiness without shall no man see the Lord." Hebrews 4:12 says that the word of God is quick, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividers of under soul and spirit and joint and marrow and is discerner of the thoughts and the intent of your heart. Jesus says in John 8, if the Son is make you free, you'll be free indeed. In Isaiah 1, 16 through 18, he says, come now, let's reason together. Though your skin's sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though they shall be red as crimson, they shall be white as snow. See, he's trying to let us know in order to stay pure and to stay cleansed, we've got to stay in the Word, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is God, and so the only way we can be saved is by the Word of God. Amen. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given unto men, whereby we must be saved. So we're cleansed by the Word of God. Verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear forth fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bring forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast as a branch, forth as a branch, and is withered, And men gathered them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept the Father's commandment, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love have no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I have not called you servants, for the servants know what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friend. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit might remain, that whatsoever you should ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. This, These things have I command you, that you love one another. Notice, he says, you've got to abide 
in me and I've got to abide in you. This is what John is saying also in the epistle. If God is in me and I'm in God, then I'm supposed to be perfected. My love for one another should be perfected. Amen. When when my love is perfected, I don't fear people. Amen. When your love is perfected, you don't fear dying. When your love is perfected, you don't fear witnessing. When your love is perfected, you don't fear anything but God. You respect God. Amen. Because he is greater than all of my problems. He's greater than everything that I will ever face. Amen. So this whole 15th chapter of John is designed, amen, to keep me into the love of God, to bind me into his will and into his purpose. Amen. That's what Calvary was all about. Amen. Every time I see a cross, uh, it should move me, amen, to realize how good God was and how great God is and his love for me. Praise God. This is why when you look at Deuteronomy 6 and 4, we quote it as a oneness scripture. But notice what it says. It's designed for us to do. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Notice, and you must love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you this day shall be hidden in your heart. Amen. And notice, you need to love God with everything that is in you. Praise God. Your soul, your heart, your mind, and your strength. What is the greatest commandment? Look at Mark chapter 12. Go to Mark chapter 12. Amen. Verse 29. Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Through 31. And Jesus answering him, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like Namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandments greater than these. Amen. Because what did Jesus say in another passage? On these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophet. Amen. The commandments. And so John in the gospel, Jesus says, if you love me, keep. My commandments, amen, because they're not grievous, they're not hard. See, so you're, you should be completed, amen, in God. This is why James tells us in James 2, 89, if we have respect, if we fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and convinced of the law as a transgressor. Amen. We have got to allow love to control us. We have got to allow love to be in us. Now, what am I said when I say I've got to let love control me? Well, when I understand that God is love, 
then I'm who am I asking to control me? I'm asking God to control me. I'm giving my life to Him. That's why when I repented of my sins, uh, when I was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I committed myself to God. That's why the Psalms says, commit thy ways unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Your ways will be established. If I never commit to God, if I never give wholly 100% to God, He's not going to be able to lead me. I've got to surrender my will or submit my will to the will of God. Amen. I can't say I belong to God and then I kind of control me. What does Solomon says in Proverbs 3, 5? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So John is trying to get us here to understand, amen, how to build ourselves, to keep our joy, to avoid sins, and to know false prophets. Now notice here in verse 18, John says in 1 John 4:18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. He that, because fear have tormented us. Amen. Notice here. Notice what he's doing now. He's shifting from the third part, which was to show you how to identify false prophets. Now he's shifting down to the fourth purpose, to strengthen your faith and to ensure you of eternal life. And so he says, now, there's no fear in love. In other words, there's you don't have to fear when God is in you. You don't have to worry about things and people. You don't have to be afraid of the coronavirus. You don't have to be afraid of people. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. He wants you to strengthen your faith. He wants your faith. To be strong. That's why the writers of Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, is so that what? It was strengthen your faith. That's why the whole 11th chapter of Hebrews talk over and over. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Samson. It goes on and on. And Abraham. So that when you read that, you will understand that God was with them, they put their trust in God, and as a result of that, their faith was strong. If you have weak faith, uh, then you're not complete in God, because God is faithful. You've got to get back to the basics here. You've got to understand, it all flows from the understanding of God's love. When God is in you, God is love. So when God is in you, everything that is in God should be in you. You should be completed here. And that's what John is on. This whole thing, he's walked us all the way to get us to this fourth point. And he ends and shows us here about love in the end because there's love that pushes your faith. And once your faith is strong in the Lord, you're going to love others the way God wants you. And you're going to be confident and yourself of eternal life. Uh, You're going to make up your mind that, yes, uh, I'm saved. Uh, Yes, I've been born again. Yes, I'm looking for that city which has foundation, who builder and maker 
is God. If everything you want to be assured of as a child of God is your faith in God and your eternal salvation. Amen. You want to cling to this. Uh, that's why James says, if any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberty and embraceth not, and it shall be given. Praise God. So John says here, there's no fear in love. Amen. God loves all people. He's made the wicked for the day of evil. He loves. That's why the Bible says God is not willing that it should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, he died for the whole world. And so, therefore, if he's in me, then there's no fear. There's no fear of people. There's no fear of dying. There's no fear of being the witness for him. There's no fear. Amen. Praise God. We have got to understand who's in us. He that fear, watch this, he says, because fear what? Torments. It caused physical and mental suffering. It caused physical and mental suffering. Inside of you. Amen. You, 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 you can't walk around in a fearful state. It will take over your life and will cause you to destroy yourself. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1-7, God has not given you or us the spirit of fear. He's given us power. He's given us love. He's given us a sound mind. Amen. With the power that is inside of us. Amen. I, I, I'm, I'm strong in the Lord and, and the power of his might. Praise God. But it, notice where it comes from. It comes from love because God is love. Power to encounter foes and power to encounter any danger. Amen. He's given me power to bear under every trial. And every circumstance that comes my way, he's given me power to triumph over every persecution that comes into my way. Amen. That's why when you look at Acts 4.13, when the apostles, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they took notice of them that they had been with Jesus. So if I'm complete in my love, I got power to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall harm me. So Paul says God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us power. He's given us his love and he's given us a sound mind. You remember the Lord says I will write my laws in your heart and in your mind. Amen. This thing called love, we, we've got to have it and have it a sound mind. Every man and woman should have a sober mind. You should not be going crazy. Amen. I hear people saying that all the time. Oh, I'm going crazy. I feel like I'm losing my mind. You know, what in the world is going on? What's inside of you? 
What's inside of you that you feel that you're losing your mind? What is inside of you that you feel like you're going crazy? That should never be in a born-again child of God. He's given us a sound mind, a perfect mind, a mind that's to be well-balanced. So I have to ask myself, what in the world is going on inside of me? When Paul told Timothy that the woman should be shamefaced in it with sobriety, all Paul is saying there is she should have honor and respect uh, and she should have a sound mind and self-control. She should be able to control her actions, her conduct, and the way she looks and the way she acts. Uh, and it should be the same way with every male, amen, in the church. We should have a sound mind, amen, because why? As Isaiah says in 26, 3 and 4, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he's given me a sound mind. Amen. God did not send evil into my mind to drive me crazy. Amen. The soul, when he reject God, that he got a, a evil spirit, but not God don't give his people evil spirits when they're living right and doing right and following him. But if you haven't, like you're losing your mind and going crazy as a child of God, you better find out where you left God. You need to find out where you lost God. Paul says in Galatians 2, 20 and 21, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me, Galatians 2.20. Amen. Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by who? The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. I live by the faith of Jesus Christ. He's in me, Paul says. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm living, but it's not me. The old man is dead. It's Christ now in me. See, and so this is what John is saying. If God is in us, then, and we're in him, then our love should be perfect. It should be totally complete it, and I shouldn't be walking around fearful, tormented, amen, messed up in the head, acting crazy. I should have a solid, stable mind. As a child of God, my prayer life should be intact. My study for God's Word should be intact. Nothing should be able to cause me to rock or to wave. Notice what Paul writes into the church at Rome. In the 8th chapter, in the 35 through the 39th verse, who shall separate me from the love of God or Christ? Who shall separate me? Shall tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? 
as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. Nay, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. For I am persuaded. Here's the answer right here. You've got to get persuaded in your mind. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, amen, they was fully persuaded, amen, of the things of God. For I am persuaded deep down in my heart, in my mind. You've got to get persuaded that this is true. You've got to be persuaded that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. You've got to be persuaded that you're on the right road. You've got to be persuaded in you that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You've got to be persuaded that there's none other like him and that he loves you with all his heart, his mind, and his soul, and his strength. You've got to understand that God cares for you. You've got to be persuaded that neither death. Some people have death and they go crazy. They lose their mind. The Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. We should be rejoicing. When someone dies in the Lord. Amen. We should be excited that they have gone on to that happy land of promise over in the great beyond. Where the search and sanctions soon be gathered. Nor life. Nor angels. Nor principalities. Nor powers. Nor things present. Nor things to come. Nor height. Nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing should be able to take you out of God's hands and pull you away from him. He's in you, and you should be in him. Amen. It's not an oxymoron. Amen. That Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ and Christ is in me. And John says, if God is in you, they understood. Amen. That in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and we are complete in him. Amen. If we confess the Son of God, it is a term of endearment according. That's what Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received Back up and the glory. You've got to know who is in you. The writers of Hebrews 2.17 says, It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest uh, and things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. He took on flesh and blood just like you and I did. That's why when you look at Isaiah 7:14, he says, "Behold, a virgin shall conceive 
and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew would write in Matthew 1, 23, amen, and they called his name Jesus, uh, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the angels. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God is with us. And if God is with us, and if God is for me, then everybody else might as well be for me. Praise God. Fear torments because you're not made perfect in love. Amen. Goliath the Bible says there in First Samuel. Forty days. Every day he came out. And all he did was torment. Torment. And forty days later, we see that nobody wanted to fight him. Everybody was afraid of him. They began to start looking at his statue. They began to look at how big he was. His armor. They begin to focus on their their enemy and their foe instead of focusing on God who had given them power and a sound mind to defeat all of their enemies. And it's the same way with you and I. We've got a God inside of us. Amen. So Goliath tormented them for 40 days. Amen. But when David came to the battlefield... David simply says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, whom you are defiling. This day shall he deliver me, you, into my hands, and I will take your head from you and give it to the fowls of the air. Amen. We need to have the truth of God's word inside of us. We've got to be fully persuaded inside of us here. So John says, if there's no fear in love, but perfect love gets rid of fear because fear has tormented. He that feareth is not made perfect in God. So what are you doing to become perfected? What are you doing to become perfected? How long is it going to take you under the sound of my voice today? To become complete in God. You just got to make up your mind. That's what Paul says in Romans 12. I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies. As living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. But be you transformed. By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove. What is that good and acceptable and perfect. Will of God. See. We've got to move on to perfection. God is in you. Verse 19. We love him. John says. Why? Because he first loved us. Moses right into the church of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 7 through 8. He said the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he has sworn unto your fathers, 
have the money with the brought you out with the mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Amen. Notice Moses says, you are no more than anybody else. He says, God loves you. That's why. Amen. And he loves you, my brothers and sisters. So you think about why you are where you are. Why did God pull you out of darkness to the marvelous light? Because he loved you. Notice in Romans 5, verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet, preventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. God died for us. He loves us. Amen. More than you and I can ever fathom. And that's why you need to be fully persuaded that nothing is going to be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, because neither is there salvation. John is here trying to get us to that point to where we see, amen, as I said earlier, that fourth reason for writing this epistle, to strengthen our faith and God and to make us understand and to be able to see that we've got eternal life and that life is in Christ Jesus and it starts with the love of God. The love that dwells in us. Amen. Amen. What are you going to do with that which you have been given? Praise God. You've got to stand firm on that rock. Amen. Of Jesus Christ. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, John says, he's a liar. Amen. You've got to learn to love your brothers and love your sisters. Amen. And this commandment. Have we from him that whosoever love God, love his brother also. Praise God. We got to get back to the basics. We've got to get back to what it was all about from the creation. Love. And if God is in us, then we should be totally completed. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word again this morning, Father. We thank you for your love and grace. We thank you for your people, Lord. I'm asking you, dear God, to help them to perfect themselves in you, to come to know you, to realize the value and strength and what is inside of them. Oh, God, that they would not fear what man could do unto them, but they will look to you constantly as the author and the finisher of their faith. Oh, God, bless them in every place. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You join back with us, amen, at 1030 this morning for service. God bless you.